Imagine, a podcast series by Imagine Theatre. Hello, I'm Martin Ballard, and if this is your first time, where have you been? This is episode 37 of this podcast series from one of the biggest producers of pantomime and children's theatre in the UK. For more information, go to their website at www.imagintheatre.co.uk. Now, I really hope you've been listening to all of our previous episodes, but a quick reminder that if you have missed any of my conversations with creatives, actors, or those behind-the-scenes tours at Imagine Theatre, you can, of course, catch up with them at any time. They are all still available. And don't forget to subscribe to the series so that you don't miss out in the future. Now, in episode 36, I was joined by two familiar faces from some of the most popular programmes on television, including Britain's Got Talent, Love Island, I'm a Celebrity and Strictly Come Dancing, the popular dancing brothers from Stoke-on-Trent, AJ and Curtis Pritchard. This time, it's the TV and radio presenter, dancer, songwriter, YouTuber and influencer who was born in northwest London, but actually comes from Planet Parley. It is Parley Patel. How are you? Hello, Martin. I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. Tell us a bit about your background as a performer, first of all. What inspired you to get started in the first place? That's a good question. A big question. I suppose I sort of grew up doing a lot of local plays and sketches and skits and that sort of thing growing up. And it was obviously one of those things that people around me saw that I really wanted to do. I was sort of always looking for an opportunity to present or be on the stage, acting, dancing, that sort of thing. But it turned into much more of a reality once I started YouTubing. I didn't take any particular training or anything like that but I sort of became a part of that YouTube generation that digital creative generation that started expressing themselves on the internet via vlogs and sketches and song releases and things like that and that very luckily sort of began to snowball and present more opportunities to me. So at school was there one particular teacher that encouraged you and inspired you to do this sort of stuff? Absolutely, absolutely and funnily enough I bumped into this teacher a while ago and um, I had to you know just sort of give her a little tap on the shoulder and be like miss do you remember me and she she didn't recognize me straight away but then once I told her she she was like oh yes 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 I remember I remember and I, I did tell her that you know I work on the stage now and she was just so thrilled to hear from me but just to see for herself how much of an inspiration she'd been for me. So yes, I do have a teacher. It was my GCSE drama teacher. She was just wonderful. She was um, very encouraging and gave me some fantastic opportunities to do things that I thought I never could. So, yeah, definitely there was a teacher behind all of the madness that I do now. It is incredible, isn't it? And very often, no matter what sort of career path you take, you can very often trace that back to an inspirational teacher. And if that teacher hadn't been there, things might have been very different. Completely agree, yeah. I think even now, till day, I still look back to some of the things that we were taught in that classroom. So there's, you know, that cliche saying that, oh, what you learn in school won't even matter once you're working. But I disagree. There there have been moments from my childhood, especially in my GCSE days in drama and music, where we were given certain basics that I still to date use where I'm seeing like successful results. So, yeah, absolutely. 
hooray and a big thank you for my GCSE drama teacher, Miss Pittam. She was fab. So well done, Miss Pittam. And if you're listening, I hope you are. Take a bow. Now, also in those formative years, I wonder if you ever went to see Panto at all? Absolutely. Yeah, I cannot forget. I remember the memory as crystal clear as, you know, a five-year-old could probably get into their head. Um, It was around Christmas time um, and it actually snowed. So to make it very panto-y and dramatic and fairy tale I remember it snowed and um, we walked to one of the theatres. I'm pretty sure it was Fairfield Halls in Croydon. Um, it was Snow White, that's what I watched. And it was amazing. I just, just remember it being so interactive. And growing up South Asian, we do have our own sort of panto-style things that are happening that are sort of that larger-than-life, exaggerated, very interactive type of theatre that's sort of aimed at the family and tells, like, local tales that sort of reinvent themselves as the years go on. So I was familiar with what, you know, stage shows are, but this was the first time I went to see a panto, and it's a very special memory because it was my first sort of experience in a theatre with a mainstream type show. Yeah, it's interesting to talk about the cultural links, isn't it? Because I know you've done quite a lot of uh, Gujarati folk dancing, for instance, but a lot of classical Indian dance, Katak and others, has a lot of exaggerated movements which you could uh, compare to Panto. Of course, Bollywood itself is very similar in terms of overacting at times, exaggerated movement and expressions and so on. So there are lots of parallels with Panto, aren't there? Totally, totally. I think that's why coming into the world of pantomime was so important to me, just because I know that there's an audience that likes that sort of flavour from my community already. There's countless parallels, the whole flamboyance, the richness, the boldness, the extraness that you see in a lot of uh, Indian dances uh, definitely has a parallel with pantomime. And I think there's definitely more bridge building that needs to be done so audiences can cross over. And I suppose that's probably why I enjoy um, pantomime so much because I was used to that sort of strong style of um, performance where things are a little bit extra and exaggerated because that's what I've grown up around. Even my particular own content that I make is very much like that as well. Obviously it's executed differently and in a mixture of languages but that energy is still the same, the extraness is still the same. Now, we mentioned all of the stuff that you've done, whether it be music, dance, presentation, performance, and so on, but I think integral to that is comedy. There's a lot of comedy that comes through in everything you do. Was that your first love? Was it comedy first and foremost that put you where you are? Yeah, you could say. I mean, when I was younger, I used to take part in like local community-type projects. I was told that I'm naturally good at entertaining people, which I never particularly understood because I would just do whatever it was on stage. It would be improv or just made up on the spot. But a lot of people would tell my parents that, you know, you should consider putting him in theatre school or something like that. But my parents never thought too much of it. They were like, oh, well, yeah, he's just like that. I, I suppose that they didn't come from that sort of world to know, like, what the roots in were and things like that. So... If I look back right from birth, then yeah, you could say comedy came first. But actually, when I first started releasing things on the internet, the first thing I got out was music. And that that did quite well as well. But I remember, I think it was the summer of 2012, 
when I was still at university, I put like a little bit of a mockumentary-style sketch show up on the internet, uh, with no following, with no branding, with nothing. I just shared it amongst friends, and people really enjoyed it. But um, it didn't have that viral factor, and as you may know, that viral comedy is what helps you grow an audience. Then, when I switched over to a viral style, I built an audience, and that's when I realised, ah, okay. There's definitely a comedy backbone in me, and I am a comedian. It was like a big imposter syndrome period in my life where I didn't particularly understand that I was a comedian. Like I knew I was making people laugh, but I really struggled to label myself as a comedian. Whereas now I'm like, no, I definitely am a comedian. I do make people laugh, and when I'm writing content on the internet, the whole point I put a particular line is is to entertain people and to make them chuckle. So. Yeah, it's it's been an interesting journey. I think as well that you are definitely part of that YouTuber stroke influencer generation um, that is groundbreaking, hopefully for others to follow in the future. But it's been a big learning curve for you as well, hasn't it? Yes, totally, because there wasn't a generation above me that was YouTubing, you could say. So I would say that I wasn't a part of the first early YouTube generation, but I came in very quickly after. So in the world of South Asian YouTubers, some of them have gone on to really just explode their audiences to over 10 million followers and things like that. You know, you had your Lily Sings, and even from the UK, you had Hamza Ashad from Hamza Productions, Just Rain out from Canada. All all of these jumbo sort of South Asian stars from the YouTubing world came in before me, and I just jumped in after. I could say that I was a part of that early YouTube creator generation however I didn't really stick to just YouTube I I sort of wanted to always go into theatre and work on the stage I I really very much loved that live interactive element of performing not to say that I don't love videos because I still I still love that but in a different way I've really grown extra fond of being on the stage uh, just because it's a very different and wholesome experience because everything's very real and very connected and interactive whereas online you have that barrier between the screen and you know the keyboard and it's like a the digital meeting the real whereas theatre is the real meeting the real. We spoke about the cultural parallels between your South Asian background and pantomime in terms of performance but also with your cultural background in mind I have lots of South Asian friends in either broadcasting or theatre and they tell me there are lots of parents of young Asian wannabe performers or want to have a career in the performing arts, creative arts and so on and their parents think it's not a proper job. Now, I don't want to stereotype, but is that the sort of experience you had with your own parents? Well, yeah, absolutely. And I don't think you're stereotyping at all. (laughs) I'll definitely support you on that one. It absolutely is. I think... um, What's happened is uh, there's this misunderstanding that many Asians have modernised and, you know, become progressive overall. And in many ways they have, you know, especially coming from the Gujarati community. I think generally speaking, we have integrated into Britain in a really wonderful way. And we've we've kind of mixed the cultures. Like, I always say that um, my two favourite things are a pint of beer and... Gujarati chevro. Chevro is like a spicy, savoury sort of snack. And the two go so well for me. And one is very British to me, and one is very Gujarati to me. Mm -hmm. So we've done that really well, but 
When it comes to mentality towards working in the arts, we still have a very, very long way to go. There is just so much that needs to happen in terms of understanding that there are so many avenues of working in the professional creative world. Um, and even for me, like, I, I'm learning so much and I'm learning that there are so many roles behind bringing theatre show to life. So yeah, th there's a lot of work that needs to be done in that area. There is that whole stereotype that people still play on, but it's very true, people still don't understand. Even now, when I meet some of my more, inverted commas, modern followers, especially like the parents that, you know, claim to be quite modern and forward-thinking, they're always confused when I tell them that, no, I, I actually work as a creative full-time. They're like, but you must have, you know, a nine-to-five. And I'm like, yes, I do. My nine-to-five is going through admin, reading scripts, being at rehearsals, negotiating costs, all sorts of things. That That is my nine-to-five. You know, I wake up in the morning and I get into my studio at nine and I finish my day at six. And they still don't understand that as a nine-to-five because it's in the creative world. To them, a nine-to-five will still always be going and working for someone or waking up and running a shop or a business like that. Having said that, though, your mum and dad must have been so proud when you picked up the Asian Media Award. Yeah, I think that was a big turning point for my parents as well. The good news with my parents has always been that they've both been quite liberal in many, many aspects. They come from a generation where many people their age are sort of far more settled, you could say, in their life. Whereas my parents sort of married a little bit later, which was hugely taboo um, in the 80s. Most people would get married in their early 20s. My parents got married in their late 20s. My dad was actually 30 mm -hmm. something. And so that was really bad, you could say, like that was frowned upon. So they had those years to really develop what they wanted in life and what their beliefs were rather than getting married young and that sort of thing. So I suppose my parents have been a little bit more liberal in many aspects but yeah when I did pick that award up more than the award I think my parents were just incredibly proud of being in a room full of so many other creatives they'd met film directors and journalists and writers and things like that and a lot of them they could pinpoint to shows and programs and things that they had seen themselves so it all began to make sense to them they're like oh actually there is a thriving British Asian creative industry in the UK and actually there are lots of roles there's a lot more to this than we think so it was sort of like their gateway into understanding just how much there is available in terms of work and industry. Yeah it's interesting as well that there have been plenty of role models for young Asian performers from Bollywood and beyond legendary names like Lata Mangeshka, Asha Bosle, Amata Bachchan and others uh, and yet parents are still reluctant to allow their kids to pursue that sort of career. Yeah yeah totally totally because I suppose they're stars, aren't they? The people that you just mentioned. Yeah. And we aren't them is definitely a thing. And it, it comes down from the fact that a lot of these stars are stars and they, they came from star families and they're in their little star bubble. And that's it. I think just in India and Pakistan and just all of South Asia, the whole arts world has greatly, greatly changed in this last 10 to 15 year period where the digital revolutions happened and not only more content is being made, but more people from a diverse background are, are coming into this industry. So it's opening minds and it's it's 
sort of trickling into into the UK as well, that approach. So the five-year-old Parley Patel watching Snow White at the Fairfield Halls in Croydon all those years ago could never have imagined that one day he would be starring in his own pantomime. And that's actually happening this year, isn't it? So how do you feel? I am... I'm mind blown. I'm so excited. And I just feel like Panto is so me. The extraness, the just the silliness. And I like that there's the off the cuff element to a lot of it. You know, in my head, when I got approached for this um, role, I was a little bit worried because I was like, you know, how am I going to do this? I don't come from that sort of traditional theatre background. But once they explained it to me, I was like, oh, I, I do this sort of stuff already. So I knew that bridge was already there and this opportunity just created the perfect sort of moment for me to like cross over. It's hugely exciting in so many different ways. Not only is this my first pantomime, but it's my first role in quite a commercial sort of area where I'm crossing over into like the wider British audience. Mm. What I'm really excited about is bringing in an audience that recognise me and my content and also sort of marrying that over to the wider panto audience it's really exciting because there are just so many people that probably wouldn't think to go to a panto but now they might feel that oh actually you know we know parlay we know what his content's like and some will just come along purely just to see what i look like in this particular role <laughs> i've i've just had so many people get in touch um just to be like oh this is just perfect you know, I'm going to come with my mother-in-law and my kids. And I love that. I love that cross-generational thing. And, you know, that, that mother-in-law might have never, ever seen a panto, but now she's coming with her grandchildren. So it's perfect. One thing's for sure, in any Asian culture, a central factor is that of family and community, which makes panto absolutely perfect. And it would be great to see more Asian families going to see panto. Also, as Panto has developed since the early days of theatre through Commedia dell'arte right the way up to date with what we know today as British Panto, it has continued to evolve. And the beauty of the art form is that it brings together people from all walks of the entertainment industry and they each bring a bit of themselves and their area with them, whether that be magicians, jugglers, dancers or whatever. And what you can do is bring something of you and your Gujarati heritage with you, whether that be dance, music, uh, certainly the comedy that you do. And I think that's absolutely fantastic because that is what Panto is all about and its continual evolution. Absolutely agree with you. I think my route and approach to this opportunity to be in a Panto is that I will always carry that virtual suitcase full of all the other crazy things that I've been doing and have it at the ready for whatever happens during the shows to just pull it out the bag and sort of adapt to the audience. But it is fantastic to know that Panto is such a family format type presentation because that is the heart of what being South Asian is. I think family is just such an important factor. And for this to be an another occasion, another sort of milestone in many young kids' lives, that they can do with their grandparents or their aunts, their uncles, is just, just wonderful. And I think there aren't many things like this where it's like a sit-down kind of thing where you can sit and watch something with the entire family that would attract a South Asian audience. From what I know from connecting to my audience is that 
they do feel like ah, there's not enough that's going on which appeals to them and I feel like this would appeal to them regardless of if I'm in it or not but this sort of builds that bridge which introduces them then in the years to come whether I'm in pantomimes or not they've been introduced to that genre and they'd be like oh you know we know what this is and we love what it is. I think you're absolutely right. And the other thing about pantomime is that many of the elements are universal. The slapstick comedy, for example, everybody, if they see a man slip over on a banana skin, will find it funny. And many of the slapstick routines are universally funny, as are the fabulous dance routines, the spectacular effects, the fabulous costumes. So it's universal to every audience, whatever your background, your culture, wherever you come from, I think it's something that you would enjoy. Now, the other thing we haven't mentioned about Panto is that there has been a tradition of cross-dressing. You will find, for instance, a woman perhaps playing the principal boy or a man playing the dame. And with that in mind, let's talk about Mrs. Kapoor. Yes, absolutely. This is a character you've created, the central character in the sellout UK tour of Mrs. Kapoor's daughter's wedding. So the fact that you've played this and other female characters on YouTube as well, does that mean you're a dame of the future? 100%. Sign me up. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Uh, I think even if you look at my own sketches, the whole changing of genders <laughs> is completely normal to me. I've weirdly grown up around seeing a lot of that in Bollywood or Hollywood and I've just loved it. Whether it's um, something like Mrs Doubtfire, whether it's Eddie Murphy, whether it's India's equivalent of like, you know, a famous comedian like Johnny Lever doing a female role or, or something like that. It's always fascinated me and it's always created a comedy that I find absolutely golden. And so, yeah, sign me up if there's a role I'd, I'd absolutely love to. I feel like I need to first get onto the path of Pantos and that's what this is all about. And then, yeah, that that would be next. I'll tell you what, you'll have an absolute ball this Christmas, no pun intended, in Cinderella at the Beck Theatre in Hayes for Imagine Theatre, and you will be hooked. I'm pretty sure you'll be back year after year after year because you're absolutely perfect for Panto. And I can see this is a big deal for you. You are so excited about doing it. It's not the first big deal, though, is it? Let's face it. I mentioned the award earlier, but also... So you've performed in New York and Mumbai as well. How was that? Amazing, amazing. I think that's when I understood I'm a comedian and I need to understand my audience every time. So, you know, India understood less sarcasm and America understood less of our typical British wit. So I would always have to adjust for these audiences, but I could still make them laugh and still entertain them. So I feel like, one, it was such an honour to know that people out in the states and in in india watch my content but um two it made me realize that actually you have to take this as a proper job you can't just walk onto a stage and do something and hope it will work you really need to understand what's different here you know how are you going to entertain kind of like a different demographic um i think one of the biggest sort of wins for me was connecting to an Indian audience because making sketches on the internet where you're kind of you know taking the mick about growing up uh, South Asian or Indian or whatever could have gone the wrong way and in the early days when people didn't really know what I was about some people took 
a lot of offence to what I was doing. And naturally, as as a comedian, as an entertainer, you are going to sort of offend someone. But I really tried hard to make sure that that's not what my brand was about. And for like a big Indian audience to really enjoy what I do, it was really special. Just because I always wanted to make sure that I'm celebrating my Asianness whilst also creating comedy from it as well. And the same goes for America as well. I I wanted it to be the content that I created online was always meant to be a view into the diaspora, kind of like an invitation to see what it's like growing up as a Gujarati, not in Gujarat. So I was very sort of keen to make sure that whatever I do doesn't come across as if it was based out in India. I really wanted to make sure that it either had that strong British punch, that strong London punch, just because that's who I am, um, that's my story, and there was already lots of Gujarati comedy out there, there was lots of American South Asian comedy out there, but I wanted it to really have that strong British sort of touch, and it did, and it still does, and people enjoyed that. Um, I had a lot of people from both countries going, oh, you know, we have cousins in the UK, and when we watch your stuff, it really reminds us of them, and it really reminds us of, you know, all the things they talk about, so it, it was really amazing for me to perform out in the States and in India. And I look forward to going back out there and doing more. Well, one thing's for sure, you've had an incredible career to date. Um, we've talked about some of the things that you've done. We haven't talked about uh, the songwriting, the music video direction. We haven't talked about the radio and television presentation and the fact that you launched the very first British Gujarati folk dance movement. It's been incredible. But if I had to sum you up, I think that the one thing I would say is that you have a creative mind and that's the key to opening the doors in all these different areas, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. When people say, why don't you upload you know, content onto YouTube weekly or how come you don't produce more music? And I suppose it's because I do a lot of different things. My aim has always been to grow across you could say and grow in a variety of different fields and spectrums and then really narrow that down into three or four you could say that I love and that's probably why people haven't seen too much just in one area I have sort of jumped into different kind of formats and learnt about them what's been great is any opportunity that I've kind of had come my way or any opportunity that I've chased has worked out and has created more so when I first started working in theatre, I, you know, dreamt that, oh, when when will my next show come or will, will one come or how do I audition or whatever. But it did fall into place and here I am, you know, looking forward to a pantomime. Uh, same goes for, t- for television. I, I started off in radio going, OK, I do love radio and I've grown up listening to, like, the Asian network, but really I've been more of a visual person, so when will the TV break come and the bridge was built. So it's a mixture of luck, hard work and just being extremely creative. And I suppose understanding my own creative process, I think that's my what my advice would be to a lot of young people who feel like they want to do lots of different things. Understand how you get creative and how to formulate an idea and then turn it into a reality. Because um, you don't get taught how to do that, but it's really important that you understand that you have you have to approach creativity like that otherwise it just becomes 
a huge mess. Well, listen, Parley, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I wish you every success at the Beck Theatre in Hayes this Christmas in Cinderella. And thank you so much for talking to us. Thank you so much, Martin. And with that, I'm afraid we've sadly run out of time again for this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the series, though, to catch up with any episodes you've missed so far and make sure you don't miss out in the future. Next time, I'm going to be joined by Imagine's Business and Marketing Director, Sarah Bowden, and her husband, Managing Director, Steve Bowden, as we get ever closer to the 2022-23 Panto season. That's coming up next time, so make sure you join me for episode 38. Thank you for listening to the latest edition of Just Imagine, the podcast series from Imagine Theatre. And you can find out more by going to www.imagintheatre.co.uk.